Two little mice fell in a bucket of cream. The first mouse quickly gave up and drowned. The second mouse wouldn't quit. He struggled so hard that eventually he turned that cream into butter and crawled out. Gentlemen, as of this moment, I am that second mouse. <laughs> it's amazing. He's talking about motorcycle insurance. Now let's start the show. Step But yeah, so we're talking about the recruit and just how badly that show is written. I finished it this morning and <laughs> I, w- I, w- I had been watching it for the last two days and I was just texting Gatto through our Discord channel every time something stupid happened. So I am positive that Gatto was able to get nothing done throughout the last two days. <laughs> I, I feel like they might use the recruit as a form of advanced interrogation. Um, for us or for them? For for anybody. Like they might like that would actually be very meta for the show. Like if it's season two, they actually just started torturing fucking somebody using season one in season two. Because it would work. It oh, would yeah. track. Yeah, I would give up all of state secrets if I had to sit through that show and it was in like stereo sound. So, so give me give me a give me a very like so I, I'm not seeing it. So give me a very basic um like synopsis of the show so a lawyer with daddy issues is hired by the cia to work in their office of general counsel i'm already out (laughs) and the first thing all right mark cuban (laughs) (laughs) you didn't i didn't even tell you the pitch yet (laughs) and the first thing they have him do is go to phoenix arizona and talk to a like global like an international terrorist who is blackmailing the CIA and the laughs ensue from there. It's a comedy. Maybe it it tries to be, it's a, it's called, it's a considered a comedy drama. Um, I was not laughing the whole time. The only thing I laughed at was the fact the show ended on just a stupid note. So like, the thing about like his department just deals with people that are like about to release state secrets. That's like what his department does. And he just happens to stumble upon like the crown jewel of state secret being like spilled or whatever. I don't know because they never get to that point. There's no, there. you don't learn of a state secret that is worthy of being spilled that everyone's going to like drop their jaw and be like, Oh shit. Like, the CIA. This is this is, nothing. There was like Iran Contra level. Would you say they, like they never actually explained what the blackmail this person had on the CIA? It's just that I have it, and he's like, "Oh, we should help her." Yeah, <laughs> dude. By the way, and this is gonna boil your blood so much, Tom. Rotten Tomatoes reporting a sixty-seven percent. IMDb seven point five out of ten. 96 percent like this tv show who said that was 96 (laughs) percent google users 96 percent like this show oh god 
<laughs> Dude, um, you know what? I'm glad the writers we're... of this show just created Gmail accounts and like gave the thumbs up for that fucking thing. That that would actually make a lot of plausible sense with this because I don't know how. I don't know how. The show just think... doesn't make sense. Like, this is the Central Intelligence Agency. You would think a relatively competent like government entity that deals a lot with like espionage and counter espionage and understanding that the best people and the most well-trained people need to be put in situations to be successful. And their first thought is like, have this one dude who gets shot at like in every fucking episode, keep doing all these things that he was not hired to do. The guy was hired to be a lawyer. And I don't understand why they're like, you need to go there and deal with these terrorists. It's like, what? Yeah. What? <laughs> and, and there's a whole $800 thing. billion dollar defense budget for the federal government, and they need one guy to do all this shit? <laughs> yeah, he's like the last line of protection against scandal. And so one of the main writers um, seems to have done um, a lot of cop procedurals. The so rookie. The rookie. And Castle, for anybody who's ever seen Castle, yeah. which is like all five of the Castle's fans. Um, <laughs> the guy who was in Castle is actually the director of the CIA in this, too. The following and with Kevin Bacon. And it literally looks like they shot it in his fucking basement, too. <laughs> yeah, I, I listen, I think the most important thing here is that it's Netflix, so it's only getting one season anyway, so it doesn't really matter. It, but it, it did follow the same trend that he's all that conducted which was just like shameless promotion of sponsors throughout the entire thing like gato you picked up on this um first in that essentially they plug uber for everything yeah every time like someone has a date and they're leaving they're leaving the the main character owen they're just like nah i'll get an uber i'll get an uber okay you get an uber like jump in the, the, can, uber. the can of coca-cola is perfectly placed so that it, the label there was one of those yeah. it was dairy queen in this one though yeah it was Dairy Queen and Kellogg's and Farmland Dairy. And there are a couple others in there, too. It's just like... Dude, and audiences are responding 86% average audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. The good thing is that Netflix does not care about audience scores because then uh, Archive, uh, whatever, would have gotten. Yeah. It was just such a stupid fucking show. And frankly... I watched it because I wanted to just continue to bash the shit out of it. And it's just, <laughs> I texted Gatto at one point. I was like, I'm confident this guy's roommates are just fucking NPCs. And <laughs> like, they don't really operate the way that normal people would. I mean, nobody on the show, like, you know, like it's, it's like the writing. It's like, nobody talks like that. Even, even when they're trying to be smart and sassy fucking lawyers, like nobody talks like that. <laughs> no, no. And you know, it, it's like they basically wrote this whole thing in Microsoft Word and they had like the strictest like grammar correction on there and they just clicked approve for everything that was in there. It's like, that's not how actually people speak to each other. And Gato, I think that you were the one that was just watching me go through this entire experience. And you're like, no, no, just keep watching. It'll get worse. Like, <laughs> yeah. Why am I going to keep watching it? Okay, I will. It's like, you, you know, what? like it's it's like watching a train coming off the tracks. It's like, no, get to the end of this. You, you need to see the bodies that are, you know, they 
fucking dig out from this. This is that bad. Like, and I'm, you know, what's funny is like, I'm, I'm looking at like things online now, like uh, the daily beast, their take on it. And it was kind of, it's kind of like spot on. And it's like the new spy comedy trilla drama has no clue what it's trying to be. What, what it actually is a total, forgettable mess and i was like that's kind of spot on <laughs> the, the funny thing is is people are like oh this mo- this shows just cia propaganda and i'm like i i i think the cia hates this fucking the show. cia is gonna sue for defamation like has it made them all sound like morons <laughs> does, does, does it ever veer towards like oh this is so crappy that it's kind of fun I actually end, yeah. yeah i get i get to the point where i'm just like yeah i need to see this because like I know I I knew I was going to be let down and disappointed by the ending. It had to happen that it was going to be a bad ending. And it sure shit was. The whole show is basically the main character, Owen, on fetch quests for the CIA. And it's like, oh, you you go do this. And the guy's like, well, I don't know how to do that. I'm new. Like, you would think, like, you know, you haven't worked there for, like, 90 days. You don't even know where the bathroom is. I'm like, just do it. Just just win the case. And it's like... this is not how this works. This feels like this was like a this was like a take on a like MS DOS game where it was like Yukon Trail, right? Like you're given like these like puzzles to solve and then there's like a shitload of text in between and like that's what it that's what it was. Like it felt like that was what they modeled this entire show after. It was and, so bizarre. And there's one scene cue, and I'm not going to give anything away. And honestly, if people are upset that we give spoilers for this show, they need to get a fucking life. But <laughs> there's one scene where the main character, Owen, has a love interest where he buys her flowers. Okay. By the way, the love interest is probably the best person on this show that is probably not going to be on season two, if there is one. And it's just a weird it's just a very strange scene that does not make any sense at all where the florist drives up to the CIA <laughs> headquarters at Langley and is like, yeah, I got a delivery here. So the security guard calls this person and says, like, Hey Amelia, there's somebody here for a delivery for you. It's a florist. And she's like, Oh, I'll be right down. And the florist gets out of the van and he's walking up to the back door and he lifts his shirt up for something like it's a beautiful day or something. And the security guard sees a, gun on this guy and the security guard stun guns him and then that's it yeah. <laughs> what yeah dude <laughs> that is exactly what it is it had no bearing on the plot at all <laughs> again like if you are a florist driving up to this giant building that says cia on it Maybe you shouldn't have that fucking thang on you. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's just like, oh, you stun gun the florist. By the way, I have flowers and you broke the pot. And then that's it. It's, again, no bearing on the story. So it has like really no, like doesn't. Be- Nothing. Uh, I'm no. pretty sure what happened was <laughs> somebody. and thang on you. <laughs> I'm confident that there is some executive at Netflix where his fail child is a writer on the show and the executive is like, I read, you know, I read Brian or Natalie's um, 
you know, script. I think it's good. There's this one scene that's really funny. You should put it in or I'll fire you all. And they're like, all right, let's just shoehorn in this you know, random where <laughs> it's getting stun gunned. You know what, though, Tom? I'm going to I'm going to slightly disagree with you there. I think what happened here at Netflix was basically like he promised to read his nephew or niece's script uh, for the show and he for completely forgot to. Oh, yeah. they were like, oh, did you read it? Right. You promised me you were going to read it. He's like, it was great. I'm green, green <laughs> We're already pre-production. He's like, fuck. And then he reads it like, oh, fuck. All right. One season. We'll just do one season. I, we're gonna, I think it should, it we're should gonna be ask Mary Queen to like bankroll this whole fucking thing. It, it really, it really needs to be a rule that like whoever becomes like the executive for streaming services, like they have to be an only child. Like they can't have extended families. They need like this. This there's definitely some sort of like payola favorism going on here, of some sort. Like it just doesn't, dude. And you know what? I I'm reading through some comments here and. Someone makes a very good point at the very end. He's like on the walkie-talkie with the uh, the army or whatever, like the 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 one ch- uh, Don and and the troops, and like they're all getting in position, and he sees like the vans show up, and he's like, "Guys, we have a problem," and they're like, "Shut up! Like, get off the line! Like, this is why we don't take lawyers into the field." Blah blah blah. Like shaming him over the the walkie-talkie, and like he never actually explains that like a group of armed like soldiers basically show up like assassins show up to like see like you know uh kill everybody there yeah to kill everyone lay siege on the fucking meeting like by the way we have no idea who those people are who showed up because there's no fucking background on any of this stuff the only thing that that comes into play is that there is this girl that hits on owen randomly in a bar that he ends up in for no reason even though he's in the middle of a mission, he decides, I need I need a break. I'm going to go have a beer. I need to go drink six beers right and, now. And this girl instantly starts flirting with him. And he does catch on. He's like, is this a, is, is this a thing? Like, do you work for the CIA too? Like, <laughs> Are you trying you, to exploit me? Yeah. Not that, not, that someone who, not that someone who works for the fucking CIA would ever go, yeah, totally. No, it was sexpionage. That's yes, what, that's it. It what like, it was. It was sexpionage. Sex- Are you sexpionaging me? It's just it, and honestly, it's like eight episodes of just like that. That's not how normal people work. Like, if the artificial intelligence in Goldeneye would were to like write a game that write a movie, this would be it. There's this whole <laughs> random scene, by the way, in which he ends up like cause uh, the main character like gets thrown something that he passes on to to one of these like extra characters or whatever, and it's a interrogation robot that ends up like like brutally like uh ripping somebody's arm off (laughs) yeah and it looks terrifying it's a terminator and it becomes this like little side story as well as there's another side story where a cartel is handed like um stinger missiles or something like that yeah stinger missiles and the thing was like the way to like reactivate the thing the the thing on them they were supposed to be like duds that were then going to be like sold for tracking purposes to like find out where these cells are but they're fully functional and they go straight out into the field and this guy's it's this guy's case and he's like freaking out the whole time taking uppers and downers and basically falling asleep on his couch to wake up into a heart attack frenzied state 
It's just, it, it's unbelievable, man. <laughs> it's unbelievable. It's it's definitely like the most regrettable eight hours of your life, but might be worth it. I don't know. It, take, it, it's like if book. Zach Wilson was asked to like write a script. Never, it never actually completes. It just like dances and around for a that while. That would that would track because there's a heavy like mother. <laughs> there's like a heavy mother thing in this there's whole just so much paternal like mother father like things that happen here that's all like listen this would all be solved if you just went to like a clinic and talked to each other yeah at, <laughs> like that was that was the thing that they were missing was the uh what, what's the uh the service there the, the better well, help better help like the better help plug would have would have crushed it then then this would have been hysterical because it would have been a eight-hour-long infomercial for why you need better help. And if I knew nothing about the CIA, what it would tell me, if I was like a terrorist and I knew nothing of the inner workings of the CIA, I'd be like, I think we're safe. We, we'll be able to get away with literally anything. I mean, if I, was, if I was like another country and seeing this and thinking this was what the CIA was based on, I'd be scared shitless. Like, that is way too much power for dysfunction. This is a lot like, of chaotic this is, energy. This is a lot of fuck around and find out energy in the wrong places. Oh, man. They made everyone look stupid in it. And when honestly, they were trying the, to be smart. When they were trying to be smart. Yeah. And, and all the best characters, they didn't give any attention to. They gave <laughs> so much attention to the stupid people. Honestly, I liked Jeff from the White House. If I worked at the yeah. White House, I would tell everyone I worked at the White House. And Amelia Salazar, who's probably the most realistic yeah. yeah the most realistic person on that show they make him like they make her a love interest of owen and then yank not, that away yeah yeah like the problem is is you're just too chaotic and you don't don't know what tomorrow brings i'm like have you like read the script amelia what what this feels like is like every writer that was every writer on the show it was like look this is going to be a chess match amongst all the writers and whoever can kill off somebody else's subplot or story plot wins. Fucking and game like, of clue. They made it a game like that. It was like the it was almost like the pen was more like a, a fucking knife that they threw into the middle of the gauntlet, you know, and like they just they duked it out because one episode would always contradict another episode. The scene, the scene in the Dark Knight when he when the Joker breaks the fucking pool cue stick in half and he's like gonna have tryouts at it no, <laughs> that's exactly tryouts. what happened this, is tri- <laughs> this was tryouts for whoever gets the next netflix series oh, yeah so i mean i don't gotta i don't know if you have anything else to add about this clusterfuck but i would say if you hate yourself go watch it in the same way if you like if you want to laugh and just like know what the absolute bottom of the barrel of netflix programming is currently this and he's all that are probably fighting with each other with like oh, fucking show pillows and mayonnaise throwing them at each other. I, I gotta be honest because it's almost genius. It's like a master stroke in the sense that like, it's so campy and goofy in that, in that vein that it, like, I want another season. Like I demand another season. In fact. Is this like, how they're going to get zoomers to join the CIA? <laughs> like, I don't know. Girl, but... girl bossing at the CIA. <laughs> Well, we're only 19 minutes into this episode and we already have a title. (laughs) 
girl bossing your way to, to his Havana syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I, I feel like they wanted to do some realism on the show and they said, you know what we need to do? We need to shoot microwaves at each other's brains and see what happens. Cause that's what it's like to be in the CIA. Well, and they just w- got everybody in a room and they just turned the heat way up and just fucked with each other's heads. I'm like, all right, now go right. <laughs> well, that's like, and it's funny, actually, you say girl bossing in the CIA because like all the women are kind of bosses on the show. Like they're all kind of badasses and like they, they're the ones that are actually laying chess moves down. And the dudes are just kind of like Morons. going with it. Yeah, just getting beat down for it. Like, bombing bombing co- poor countries, but girl boss way. <laughs> oh, God. But leaning into it. <laughs> Look, I've... Not I've... me dropping bombs on people. Who is the, um, who is the executive from Facebook who... Zuckerberg. No, the other one. She wrote the book Lean In. I don't know. Was she the one that ended up at uh, AOL or whatever, too? Maybe. I can't remember her name, but she wrote a book called Lean In, and it's it's this whole inspiring book Sh- about Sheryl Sandberg. Sheryl Sandberg and how yeah. you need to be like... You use you know, the word inspiring very loosely, though, right? Yeah. Um, and how you need to like be proactive and sit at the table come to find out she was sitting at the table where they were basically like, yeah, we're going to just steal people's data from Facebook. And she's like, we're not going to get caught. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Stealing your data, but in a girl boss way. Yeah. Yeah. We're shooting people with radioactive bullets, but we're doing it with Avon. Not to like, (laughs) not to pivot too much here, but like, that's what's always annoyed me about the fucking Democrats is that, they focus so much on like, this is the first female fucking general. And I'm like, cool. Is she not going to drop bombs on people and drone people to death? Like, <laughs> yeah. otherwise, I don't care. This is the first like female commandant of the U.S. Army, like <laughs> Army, like officer academy. Like, was she at Abu Ghraib? <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, one of the more prominent pictures in Abu Ghraib is like a female like officer. Like, yeah, yeah. When, so it's like, I don't care. I, I feel like it's almost like, are they not aware that it does kind of diminish that they've accomplished so much, right? Like, that's the that's the thing I kind of get from, from that. When they make that the statement of, like, their promotion or whatever it is, it's like, you're, you're kind of taking away the value that they've worked hard to get to this, you know? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Q. Who is the, um... Didn't mean to veer us off track. No, no, no. It's Gina Haspel was not the first <laughs> female CIA director, and mm-hmm. everybody's making a big stink about it. Come to find out, she ran like CIA black sites where like yeah. enhanced interrogation, aka torture, was happening, and it was just very cool, very legal. CIA black sites, but girl boss. <laughs> God. But running the show on your terms. <laughs> <laughs> inspiring stuff taking down the patriarchy while electrocuting your genitals <laughs> god i was like i'm sitting this one out <laughs> i i really like dude, I, I have i have the utmost like i'm absolutely worried about having my face and this audio <laughs> recorded at the same time i'm like it's one thing for people to hear my stupid takes it's another thing to see them coming out of my mouth like 
Yeah, I I will say though, and I hope this is the overarching thing. Like, yes, let's not prop up individuals who have done horrible things for the sake of them being the first person of like their race, their ethnicity, their gender, their sex to yes. do something. When in reality, it's like, yeah, but this person like used re- bunker busting bombs on like hospitals. <laughs> like, let's be oh mindful God. of this. I, yeah, I think I think when you lean too hard, and I also like just to take it from a political angle, I think when you lean into identity politics a little too hard, you make you leave yourself open to like when the Republicans go, well, then we'll, we'll nominate Nikki Haley, and you go, no, and you're like, oh, but she's going to be the first Native woman to be president. Why you don't you don't like that? I thought I thought you liked that. Yeah, it, everyone from any race can be horrible person, so it's like. Maybe prop up the best people who are not going to do horrible things. I would concur. And on that note, welcome, everybody, to the Second Mouse Podcast. Happy 2023. Happy fuck year. said that. New year. Same us. <laughs> same unbearable takes. But again, welcome. We hope you all had a wonderful year. Gentlemen, how was your new year? I ate a lot of Chinese food. Good for you. I got very sick. I'm and, proud of you. Uh, it's the year of the tiger, guys. Okay. It's the Chinese uh, New Year. So Clemson's winning. Yeah, but that's not now, is it? No, but, but it, no, 2023 is the, the year of the tiger. Just, just God. I'm this fucking Snapple fact. Deal year with of the tiger and cute said that. <laughs> Keep it going. Don't stop. Don't <laughs> that. That's all God, I got. Has you got to subscribe to our Patreon in order to get the rest of that song. Gato has a love affair with his with a local Chinese place that you know where I, where we all grew up, and it is. I don't know if the food's good, but it's like definitely like you find yourself craving it once in a while, and it just will wreak havoc it's, on your inside. Because there's a bunch of places nearby that are like really good and don't give you diarrhea. <laughs> so it is is probably like the White Castle of Chinese. It food. is the White Castle of Chinese food place around there because there's one right across the street that's very good and like has never given me stomach virus before. Yeah, that actually that place is not that good anymore. It it kind of went downhill. I, 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 I used to go there. there I used to go there because they also offer Thai food. Their fried and, rice is banging though. Yeah, they. Uh, Unfortunately, they're not they're not what they used to be. But that's yeah. No, no, no. You know, that's the thing with like I think with Chinese food, it's like you grow up on a certain thing like that's you go to one place and that becomes the, the place you're most comfortable with. You like their flavor, their style. And then that's that's their thing. It's not like, you know, somebody's over here like Team Panda Express, you know, and like somebody else is like, is there anything Panda, else? Panda Express is hot garb. Though. Yeah. Um. I will say down here, it's been harder for me to find like a good Chinese place. Had one in Greensboro, had one in Virginia, not so much down here. It's probably more just the environment. When I was driving home earlier today, there was a guy that was blowtorching his driveway to burn off all of the excess leaves and weeds that were growing out of the gravel. Smart idea. Interesting. Yeah. um, I had never seen something like that before. I'm not sure if it's a total madman move or totally genius but i'm gonna lean genius i don't know about you <laughs> that mad legal? genius evil yeah, genius. Oh, oh it's very legal it's very hmm. cool what a man does with a from, blow torture on his own property is totally up to him doesn't sound legal from an observation standpoint it is very cool to watch so very cool 
And then I didn't see any cops there, so it must be very legal. Interesting. Well, it is North Carolina, so. Yeah, raise up. <laughs> so anyway, my new year was good. Um, it was pretty I, – I, I was watching the uh, Georgia and uh, – and Ohio uh, and Ohio State game, and it's pretty interesting because I don't know if you guys realize, like they, that missed kick by Ohio State to lose the game happened pretty much at midnight. It was like as they were counting down. So feel bad. I don't know the Ohio State kicker's name, but uh, sorry, buddy. Twenty twenty three was not a good start for you. Yeah, it was but, a uh, pretty rocky day for him. Rough. But I think that was. Of all of the games, that was probably. I mean, granted, there was only two of them for the playoff, but that Michigan game was incredible. interesting. It was incredible. Yeah, love that. And I really don't think we should take John Harbaugh seriously anymore. Just my take. They're already talking about him going back to the NFL. Yeah. He's, I've never understood this weird love affair with him. I don't get it. I think he was good at Stanford and he was good with the 49ers, but this whole, like he's going to bring a championship back to Michigan's like, where has he done that? Anywhere? He well, I, I give him credit for San Francisco because uh, I think Trent Balky was the GM there while he was there, and he he sucks. So I give I give him a lot of credit that he was able to take. But that roster was really good, though. He inherited a very good roster, and um, Mike Singletary was the coach before him, and they did a good job assembling some pieces. They did, but he was just not a good coach. I mm-hmm. I, I, I wanted I, Mike Singletary to be a good coach because he was a Hall of Fame player, and it was like he just seemed like a galvanizing type of dude. Yeah. Just didn't work. And But, like, you saw Jim Harbaugh reinvent Alex Smith and then take Colin Kaepernick I, and turn him into a star. I, I, think, I think Jim's a, a decent coach. I just think that the way they – treat him or think of him is kind of like exponentially like exaggerated like i i don't think he's like this maverick like maven that has you know an incredible insight and depth that some other coach doesn't have somewhere else that's that's the thing i would agree with that too because it seems like because how long has he been there for like six years now six or seven years Something like that. Yeah. It seems like every year they've been trying to find a quarterback, and every person that they have there is a guy who's going to go nine for twenty-three in every game for one hundred and seventy yards. But they're going to win like forty to ten because they play fucking goobs. And and I I feel like there's a lot of a lot of excuse making made there, and it's like you know, not that you know, it's it's like not that going in a different directions gonna hurt you but like it might just be a good idea to go in a different direction mm-hmm. see what see where it takes you yeah you know? i don't th- i don't think jj mccarthy is a bad quarterback by the way um so i but i do think that the recruiting has been less on quarterbacks like i think harbaugh is one of those guys that maybe has a bit of an ego that i think he can he thinks that he can win without the top recruit you know <clears throat> I don't I don't know though. He he just seems okay. like he has gaps in his recruiting, but like that's not really what Jim Harbaugh is not a college coach. Mm-mm. He's a pro coach. It's he's better leading grown men than he is like going out and recruiting and schmoozing and all that. Like that's like that's like a Dabo thing. That's a Nick Saban thing. It, it never seems like he really took to that. Yeah. Um, And I mean, Joe Milton was a Michigan quarterback and he transferred to Tennessee and he throws like 3 million yards. He looks great. Yeah. Yeah. He looked great. Um, 
So he's one of those guys that I think, um, I think, I mean, you know, JJ McCarthy was a star, five star recruit. So, I mean, it's not like he was, you know, I think he was a like top 25 uh, national prospect. So it's not like he's like some slouch or anything, but um, it just, he's not, seem- but, but if you watch a lot of their games, he's not asked to do a whole lot, but they no. gas him up to be like this, like the second coming of Jim Harbaugh. And I'm like, yo, man, he's, He's okay, but I've never, I haven't seen, I have not seen a good Michigan quarterback since Chad Henney. Like one who is like, this guy is going to throw for a bunch of yards and be really competitive. Well, um, yeah, there was, there was Shea Patterson for a while who got a lot of hype and then just never was, really lived up to any of it. Um, Who was before him though? There was, a, I mean, Devin Gardner, but like that was not really like a, he wasn't a pro quarterback. We knew he was going to be like a probably going to have to position change when he got in the NFL, which he yeah. did. I, you know yeah. what this this is is like you're biding time till like it happens, and then when it happens, you'd be like, "Told you so, told yep. you." We knew what we were doing the whole time. <laughs> we knew exactly what we were thinking and doing. Yeah, part of Cade, the plan. Part of the plan. Cade McNamara was the guy that has just left. Um, mm. and yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just a weird, it's a weird team and I can't really put my finger on it in the sense that what is really wrong with Michigan, it's more so just like, they're not able to put it all together. And, and frankly, I think they were the one that was more of a, just a throw into the playoff system. And I feel like. Ohio State is tre- is catching stray bullets for Michigan sucking ass I, in that game. I just I think that that's the like half the problem though. It's like there's nothing really wrong with Michigan. It's just that they have higher expectations for themselves than they can afford with other teams being as good as they are. Yeah, and that's, I, that's I just think what it was, comes down to. I think it was more I, nostalgic base with him too. That like because he's a Michigan guy, he was quarterback for Michigan. Um, I think it was just more nostalgia. It never really worked. It never yeah. seemed like it was really working either. Um, he's better. He's better off going to the pros. So I'll ask you guys: Where do you think if if there is a job out there, do you think there's a job in which he should take? Got it. You want to go first? You Broncos. said Broncos. Yeah. I don't hate that because he is a quarterback whisperer of, of sorts because like that's, you know, obviously he did wonders with. So, I mean, if, if for a guy like Russ, who had just a terrible, terrible season, another loss yesterday, um, granted the Kansas City, but um, he did play a little bit better than he did. He did. So, I, I man, what the fuck did Nathaniel Hackett do, man? I don't get it because Nathaniel Hackett is widely known as a good quarterback guy like i mean you go back he got he got blake bortles to have a borderline fucking pro bowl year and got all the way to the afc championship game and should have beat the patriots as the offensive coordinator I, there and just i don't know I, but i also wonder if it's like oh he's good at coaching a blake bortles style quarterback and he's not good at coaching a russell wilson style quarterback because Two are very different. I mean, R- Russell can make calls, you know, in at the line. He um, he can run the offense. I think a little bit more masterfully than Bortles could, in that sense. And he's not necessarily a pocket quarterback, or at least now he's probably more of one. But like 
I think you know to say that like a quarterback whis- like whisperer of a coach is is the same across the board. I think it's like it takes like the right well, type will, of quarterback for I, that. I agree with you on that, but like, but he had two very different people at San Francisco. He had Alex Smith, who was like left for dead, former number one pick, pocket passer, and he revitalized his career. And then obviously they realized like. He's a little bit too limiting. Like we can't win with a guy like that. Um, so he went with Colin Kaepernick, who was scrambler, you know, get outside the pocket type, and he was able to succeed with him too. So I think he can blend those two styles. Maybe he got lucky, but like I don't know, man. Um, I don't know. I well, I, well, well. I think the bigger question is like Denver's the obvious one, right? Because that that job is vacant. I have currently. one I think is better. So. Tell us yours. I think he should go to Indianapolis. He played in Indi- he played for Indy mm-hmm. for a while, and they should trade for Derek Carr. I look at a guy mm. like Derek Carr, and I think with a guy like Jim Harbaugh, like calling, he's kind of that perfect blend because he is mobile enough and he's got a big enough arm. He's a reclamation project. I think he got a raw deal. He's getting blamed for a lot of this stuff that's going on in Vegas, and I don't think it's fair. Although Jared Stidham, the fucking god, yesterday. Um, thank, thank you for winning me my championship, Jared Stidham, because you threw the ball with Devontae Adams perfectly. But I still think that there's enough there. Their defense, I mean, they're they're hurt. Like, they got a lot of guys out. But when healthy, they're a top-tier defense in my mind. Offensive line is really good. Jonathan Taylor healthy next year will be good. They have a lot of really good components that they just need someone to kind of step in and be that guy. And they are, they have tons of cap room, too, so. Yeah, I'm going to provide a hot take, but then I want to come back to Nathaniel Hackett, if that's okay. Yeah, yeah. My my hot take is Dallas Cowboys make it into the playoffs. <sighs> they lose. That. Mike don't McCarthy's that. fired. No. Jim Harbaugh's the head coach. Don't 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 you put that evil on me. <laughs> no, 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 no. He's because, putting it on all of us. Because I one. want you, I want you to listen to what I say here. The Dallas Cowboys. The best way I can describe that team is a couple in college that. They're in love with each other until they get to the bar and they fight with each other all the time. So I'm I'm going to tell you that I don't think Jim Harbaugh is going to the Dallas Cowboys because there's someone else lurking in the in there's someone else lurking around waiting for that Cowboys job to open up and it's Sean Payton. I I I thought Tom that you were going to say the other the other place I could see it happening is uh Tampa. I think if Tampa's season goes sideways at this point, Todd Bowles might be out, and they. I would. think they're all out. By the way, I, I think I think Byron Leftwich, what a fucking fall from grace, man! Byron Leftwich was getting head coaching interviews, and now he's going to probably get fired. To be fair, though, none of that is his fault because Tom Brady still has bit, thrown a little, for a zillion yards. It's a little bit his fault. It's a little bit his fault, though, because well, what, the what op- percentage of it is his fault, though? A decent amount. I, I they're not they're not running the offense the way they were last year. And Probably because they don't have the players they have. They don't have Bruce year. Arians. Yeah, Bruce so, Arians retires, and then all of a sudden the offense falls apart. Now, granted, the offensive line's not as good, but like it's good enough that they shouldn't be this. They shouldn't have been this bad this entire year. Yeah, I mean, I I think that ultimately, I think that he's not going to go to Tampa because there's nothing there. There's no pieces, and Harbaugh is going to want to be – Yeah, 
Harbaugh is going to want to step into a, a team that's going to be competitive now. Yep. That's like a piece away and a coach away from doing well. So Denver, I think is a really good option for him yep. um, just because that defense and all the weapons they have on offense. Um, and then ultimately Indy, I think is a really good one too. And if they go for Derek Carr, I think that only helps them more. Um, I'm trying to think of if there's anything out there, Ron Rivera is not going to get fired. He could literally shoot somebody at the Capitol. And I don't think he would go there. I don't think he would go there anyway. Cause I don't think he would want to compete with Dan Snyder for like, cause Snyder is like Dolan. He wants, he wants control. I mean, does he go to the Raiders? I don't think I, they're firing McDaniels. Here's the yeah. thing though, is that that's another team you don't want to go to because in defense of Derek Carr, how many first round picks did have they drafted in the last four years that are no longer on that team? To be fair, that's Mike Mayock and John Gruden kind of fucked that up. But still, though, that's five years of talent that's not on the team. I'm gonna give you a I'm gonna give you a team, and they're not gonna fire their coach, but they probably fucking should. Cardinals. No. Ooh. No, he's gonna get fired. He'll probably get fired at the end of the year. The Chargers. They are doing mm. a disservice to Justin Herbert. To continue mm. this, he is he is winning in despite of their scheme. Yeah, and he's had a down year, and it and I'm telling you, I thank God to this day. I'm not a religious person, but I'll thank God in this situation. You sound pretty religious right now. Last year, Brian Dable was the favorite to get the Chargers job, and I was sitting there and I was pissed because they brought back Joe Judge, and I said, "I'm we're going to be stuck with fucking Joe Judge." I wanted Brian Dable. And then all of a sudden, fucking Brandon Staley gets the job. And I was like, fine with me. You're hiring a defensive head coach for your young quarterback who looks like a star. Okay, mm-hmm. whatever. And then obviously, Giants got lucky. This is my way of saying Giants, Giants are, in are in the playoffs. <laughs> Brandon Staley is going to be selling mattresses in three years. Boom. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it'll, it'll be interesting. Um, but I, I want to go back to the Nathaniel Hackett component. And I yeah, know that please. you said, I know that you said that he was a, a really good quarterbacks coach and almost like a quarterback whisperer. I think that is the problem, unfortunately, with how we evaluate coaches in the NFL. And we've talked about this in the past at the beginning of the year with Hackett and some other goons, but there are guys who are really good coordinators and terrible head coaches. And in the same way, there are guys that are okay coordinators and are really good head coaches. And a guy on the other opposite end of the spectrum who was an average coordinator, but everyone said could be a really good head coach was Jay Gruden, believe it or not. And he ended up being a not great head coach. Great offense coordinator. And I and I think a lot of these guys, they just get overwhelmed with a job because they're no longer just sitting in the quarterback's room or the offensive room. They're now having to jump around into all these other offices that they don't understand. Like Clock they management. Yeah. Too. They might have, you know, been an assistant DBs coach at like a D2 college or something, getting their feet under them. But, you know, their bread and butter is with offense. But it's also making the schedule, like the practice schedule. What do you practice? How do you mm-hmm. practice it? How many meetings do you do? What do you do in the meetings? It is literally a overhaul job. Like, And you have to be able to separate yourself from what you're normally doing, which is just like, you know, watching film. Right? Yeah. Like you have to watch film, but you have to do a million other things too. And that's why I like that Brian Dable, despite being a great play caller, was like, I'm not going to call plays. He got my Kafka. And 
It's too big of a job. Yeah, you can't do it. So I, I, I like when guys will delineate that job around because especially if you're an offensive head co- like head coach, because like you can't be the head coach and then still calling plays. It's just you want to give them an idea of where to go and what you want to do, but like that's it. Yeah. And I and I think that in in some cases there are there are guys who are, you know, Josh McDaniels is one that's like, oh, he's an offensive genius. By the way, I've not seen anything that Josh McDaniels done has done that is genius esque. Um, and Brady's, I know- Brady's last few years in New England were bad, right? Yeah, and if I, they were good. He would have stayed, right? Um, so I think we, I think there, this is a league that falls in love with names based off of like things that other people are doing. Like, wow, this person called some great plays. Like the play was broken. The quarterback scrambled and then threw it to somebody like the offensive coordinator has done nothing in the time frame to make that change and adjustment. The only person that I would say could potentially be somebody who is like a true offensive minded, like mastermind is probably the coach for the Rams when he basically created Jared Goff, where he was telling him the plays and everything he needed to do within like the 30 seconds that the, that the headset was on in the helmet. Sean McVay is an exception. I think he's allowed to call plays because like he's won a Super Bowl doing that. So like, as far as I'm concerned, if you can, if you can prove that you can be a consistent winner every year, then you can do whatever you want. Yeah. Yeah, Sean McVay is totally a different animal onto his own. How does how does it feel though, Tom? How does it feel? Because at one point, you had Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, Mike McDaniel, all those guys in Washington, and you have Ron Rivera and the Felson of North. I will also say too, there are a number of other individuals that you did not mention that were also there too. That. <laughs> Have also been pretty good in, in coaching. Um, I don't know. Like, we have a guy that believes that um, the election was stolen. We have Ron Rivera. <laughs> Cueing on Jack, baby. We have Ron Rivera, who didn't even know that they could be eliminated yesterday if they lost. That was a, I yeah, was a bad I forgot about that one. That was not and then one. we have Norv Turner's son. Scotting. God, it's just. It is on brand for the Washington commandos to seize the means of my own despair and upset nature. By the way, major Tutty, I hope he comes to my funeral and gives oh my eulogy. God, what what a star. That? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think, I think them starting Carson Wentz was a terrible idea because there is an escalator in his contract that says if he meets a certain amount of like passes and games started for the year bonuses kick in. Like you don't want to give this guy more money because he's garbage. And also too, he's not proven that he can do anything. Like they benched fucking Taylor Heineke after playing the best defense in the league. Like what the fuck did you think was going to happen? And Ron Rivera is never going to get fired. Because they asked him to like clean up this franchise and also change the name and do all these other things while he was battling cancer. So they're never going to fire him. Keep in mind, since he's been there, more bad shit has happened now in the four years that he's been there than in the last 20 before them. So 
I'm not saying he's connected to that, but like for somebody who's supposed to be cleaning up the franchise, this team is a continuous fucking mess. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I really don't know why they went back to Carson Wentz. Um, it doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. I think Heineke had done a really nice job. By the way, Reggie Ragland, um, who is a uh, Browns player, uh, kind of went off on Carson yesterday and basically was saying that we were happy that Carson Wentz was starting. He's got a slow release. And he said Heineke gets the ball out of fat gets the ball out fast. This is also not the first time that someone has called Carson Wentz out for a slow release. Carl Nassib did a couple years ago too. So it seems like I think they were almost happy that Carson Wentz was starting and he was hot garbage. Yeah. That one pick that he had, I know there was three of them, but that one that was in the end zone, to your point, Q, like I was sitting there thinking like, wow, it's taking him a long time to essentially wind up and throw this ball. Like there's a lot of moving parts for him. And I mean, those interceptions were bad. Two of them were in double coverage and it was obvious. Heineke is not spectacular or anything, but I will say that he is quite good at like not getting sacked because he just, he moves so fast. He, the offense is just so quick that really they can't get home. I was shocked when Thibodeau had that breakout game because usually he gets the ball out so fast. You can't really get to him. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, they're not in a position to draft a quarterback. I think Carson Wentz is probably going to be on the roster next year. Um, They're probably going to let Heineke go because they don't want Carson's ego to be fucking destroyed again by somebody who, should not be an NFL starter, but it's I, I will say, Tom, I think Sam Howell, a million percent, there's nothing to play for next week. Um, you're out of the playoffs, should 110% be starting. Oh, so. I agree completely. But if he doesn't play next week, this direct this franchise has no direction. Hey, dude, he wasn't even dressed for the game. He was a healthy scratch. I mean, like, I, I get that because with Wentz back, obviously they wanted to to leave that spot open for another like skill position player. So I get that because in the worst case, they were going to go to Heineke again. This is for to keep themselves alive. They were yeah. still alive going into this game. So I I'm actually okay with that because in the emergency that Carson got hurt, you'd go to Carson uh, go to Heineke. Yeah. So like, but now that. You're officially eliminated, even though he didn't know. Now that you're officially eliminated, it's got to be Howell time next week. Got to know what you got to be able to see. Who are you guys playing next week? Uh, Cowboys. See, that's a good test. I mean, honestly, Cowboys defense is very opportunistic, very good pass rush. So let him go out there and cook. And if he ends up playing well, then you walk into next year potentially with a with a new guy. He's a guy with a good arm. He's a guy who can move around. Like very underrated. Yeah, he. He is probably the most distinguished college quarterback they have on the roster currently. Who played, I was su- I was surprised he w- he went so late. They just had a bad year in Carolina. I think a lot of it got blamed on him, but they didn't have any talent there. He lost both his starting running backs, and it was Javante Williams had left for the NFL, and then like Daz Newsome and and another receiver had left. So uh, oh, Diami Brown, who went to the Commanders. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he lost a lot of talent there, so we'll see. Yeah. So uh, what's his face? Ron Rivera said, we'll see when asked who would start the regular season finale. Like, this is a no-brainer question. Like, 
<laughs> here, Ron, let me just like loft this up to you, you know, just <laughs> slam it down. It's so funny. He was just like, we're eliminated. We'll be eliminated. And like, it's yeah, terrible look. <laughs> they weren't eliminated, but he, but like he basically said there was some four. I think the Seahawks had a win. There was a lot of things that need to happen in order for them to get in, but they're essentially eliminated because I don't think unless Dallas sits everybody next week, like everybody down to like the third, the third string guys. Like I don't think Dallas is playing for anything, Um, but I'm very happy by the way, because aren't they still, they're still in the hunt to to take the first seed. They can get the one seed. Yeah. Yeah. Can they get the number one seed? I believe so. Can they not? Uh, they can. I'm yeah. checking right now. But they need Washington to lose, and yes. they need somebody else to lose. They do, they the own, do, they own, do they own the tiebreaker over Philly? Yes. They do. Because oh, they – well, no, they won one. They lost one, right? Yeah. But, but I, I but, think they but won then it will, more games in the division, oh, right? Yeah, it'll go off a of division wins. So the Cowboys are 4-1 and one in the division, and the Eagles are 3-2 and two in the divisions. Yes. Yep. So, the, so the Cowboys technically would – it's huge. I think, they, I think they would take the number one seed too. So, but I'm hoping everything kind of stays the same right now, in all honesty, because the Giants, as of right now, would be facing the Minnesota Vikings. Oh yeah, that and game. that's a juicy I, matchup. That that's really that's that's got NFL ticket all over it. You know what I mean? And Let's the actually. Cow- the Cowboys would be facing San Francisco, Ugh. a team that they cannot get past. Yeah. <laughs> Let's um let's actually transition to the Giants real quick. So it's let's, a banner day. Let's for, do that. It's a banner day for the team from New Jersey. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um so monster game from from Danny Dimes. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm gonna say it was two monster weeks in a row. Real positive upward trending for the Giants, even though they lost last week. There was a lot of good that was on that field against the Vikings. And I I think they actually built on it very well this past week to close out the season and, and get a playoff spot. Like that's that's the thing. Like I think we've seen they're trending in that that right direction right before the playoffs. That makes them scary to the rest of the league, right? Yeah. I don't mean to be the guy to throw in like I'm not being negative towards Daniel Jones. Everyone, you know, will accuse me of being like a. a oh, you're you're about Jones. to be negative too. He's, well, I I think it's no 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 no. He's our I, prodigal I, son right now. I think he he <laughs> number one he played masterfully oh, in this last game. It was, it was there is a certain uh, way of playing that like you see it with Mahomes and you see it with Allen to where it, everything looks slow. Everything around them, it looks like he's like playing highlight he, reel. He's playing yeah. in fast motion. Everyone else is in slow motion. Like it's just mm-hmm. masterful. Yeah. He looks so comfortable yesterday. He looked really and good. he just looks so comfortable, like just moved around with ease, sliding in the pocket. Like he was doing that vertical. Like so essentially he drops back, he steps up vertical, he slides horizontally. Like that just easy movement to where like back in the day he would have just took a sack and he now understands how to manipulate the I pocket. Mean, the guy was it, just something was like hitting right for him because he was like, he, he was making plays, you know, he's like getting tackled out of the, out of the pocket and he's completing passes. He's putting Mm -hmm. it in their hand. I mean, I don't think he actually threw a bad pass. The only, there was one, there was one bad pass that was almost intercepted by a Colts player. 
Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I remember like, that. But that—that that was the—that was literally it. Any uh, any other any other pass was in his receiver's sharp. hands. Very sharp. Perfect placement. Yeah. Just and off those crazy trick shots of like diving, falling, getting tackled. There was that one play he was getting sacked, and he literally threw out of it and hit Hodgins in the in the in the flat. Yeah. So I, I what I want to say is that I'm not talking down on Danny Dimes. What I'm actually doing is saying that the offensive line has been playing incredible. Now, Vikings last week, a little spotty. It's Daniel Hunter going against Evan Neal. It's not fair. But two out of the last three weeks, no sacks. So mm-hmm. he's getting better protection. Which is how we started the season, too. Absolutely. So we we are finally getting like and and obviously Hodgins. Isaiah Hodgins has been a miraculous uh, acquisition. I want to I want to point something out here because I'm very happy now that Dave Gettleman is in Cape Cod or wherever the fuck he is right now, because there's a way of being a GM that some people equate action to being a good GM. And sometimes inaction is the best thing you can do. Trade deadline. Let's go back there. Remember, there were a lot of people, Jerry Judy. Chase Claypool, all these other people that people were talking about are potentially available and that the Giants should 100% go get. The wide receiver course stinks, right? Chase Claypool was a very popular one. Traded to the Bears, the number 34 pick as it stands right now in next year's draft, which is basically a borderline first-round pick. 12 catches, 111 yards, zero touchdowns. Isaiah Hodgins, a Buffalo guy, so Joe Shane knows him. He was part of that administration that drafted him in the sixth round. Buffalo had too much talent on that roster. They had to let him go. They had to wave him to make spot for somebody else. 33 catches, 351 yards, and four touchdowns since he's gotten to New York. Yeah, he's been very involved. I'm telling you. it's And Joe Shane, what did he pay for him? Nothing. Cheese. Literally the small contract, the sixth round pick contract that he has. Shipping and handling. Yeah, Joe, Joe Shane deserves a lot of credit for patching this roster together with duct tape, and they're fucking nine, six, and one. Yeah, but going to Claypool real quick, and I don't want to spend a ton of time on him. Like, how do you trade for a guy and not make him like a focal point of your offense? I don't think he's very good. He's better than some of the goons they have on that team, though. He's been injured too, though, right? They there's a there's he's a very. Injured. There's a very big disconnect on that team, though. I just you're right. Uh, the the offense, like it seems like Justin Fields will have a game out of spite of that offense. Like it's not, it's not because of the. It's so weird. It's uh, you know what it is with Justin Fields. It feels like a lot of fuck it. I'll do it myself. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, oh, you're not gonna get open. I'm gonna fucking run for 80 yards and get a touchdown. So yeah. I mean, seven for 21 for 75 yards passing, 10 oh, carries, 132 yards on the ground. Like, <laughs> so keep shining, gang. Tell <laughs> so me wild. he's not trying because none of these other fucking idiots are. They need to invest heavily in like, like Somebody honestly, would... they're, they're picking number two right now in the draft. I would trade down and get a wide receiver. Quinn Johnson is my guy. From, so from Jordan, Adam, oh God, I love him. He's such a fucking monster. That that is my fucking. That is my. I'm I'm praying. I don't know where the Giants are picking right now, uh, but they're in the playoffs, so anything goes. 
he's not going to be there, but like I would love getting Quinn Johnson on the fucking Giants would be incredible. So, but I want to point out though, I'm giving a lot of credit to Daniel Jones. I think he'll be back next year. I think that pretty much seals it at this point. I don't think they're going to let him go. They don't have any other better options either. So, yeah. What do you guys make of the um, the controversy around Kayvon Thibodeau and the sack celebration? It doesn't look good, but at the same time, Thibodeau was pretty clear that he said, I did not know he was hurt. Was it, it was, it was, yeah, unawareness. It was a bad, it was all in one camera shot, right? So you got, mm-hmm. you got a very bad, like side by side going on here of celebration and someone who looked like they were dying. Um, and, and I think it's just a rookie thing. He won't make that mistake twice. Right. Like, I, that's, that was my thing. I was going to say as well. I think, I think, I don't think there, he'll ever, uh, make that, uh, mistake again. So Kayvon Thibodeau was quoted, um, about Nick Foles. I mean, after a sack, you celebrate. I think that when I didn't, I didn't, I did realize he was hurt. We started getting up when you're doing the celebration, you're not looking to see who's doing what I hope he gets well. And I hope he's all right. Obviously. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he. Did, I don't think he saw the quarterback on the ground. It was like, ha ha, fuck you. I and it was Jeff a monster Saturday, play. It was yeah, a and, play. and Jeff Saturday calling it trash. It's like you know who's trash, Jeff. You are. You like, are. Well, he was talking shit before the game too. So <laughs> what a dumbass. Like, I, and, well, I, Ryan, and I, Ryan Kelly called Thibodeau out too. Frankly, I think everybody needs to calm the fuck down because yep. if it was their guy doing that to somebody else's quarterback, I think they'd be like, "Whoa, this, you're not looking at the guy who you hit." Like this, think, this, yeah. I think uh, everybody needs to relax. Like the the part of me thinks maybe this is more of a like, let me get this player labeled this way so that when he is you know uh, playing against my team. Um, I get to complain to the refs and they might penalize him or give me a favorable call, kind of create a narrative around like it's very easy for defensive players, uh, defensive linemen to get narratives around them that they're dirty players or that they, you know, they go out and they try to hurt quarterbacks. He, and- he gets he gets a lot of people very angry and I don't know why. Kayvon Thibodeau, he's, during he's the draft a, he's process. He's a loud player. He's an emotional player. Yeah. During you know. the draft process, he was a guy that a lot of people were trying to shit on. So yeah. he, he came out decked looking like a straight king. So it was. <laughs> I, I want to say, though, he is he is really turned it on lately. Yeah. Um, first play of the game, he had that huge tackle for loss, really kind of set the tone of it. Um. He he has really really come on, so I'm I'm very happy to see it because Aiden Hutchinson. This has been a good year for pass rushers. Aiden Hutchinson. I don't know if you guys saw yesterday, third interception. He's a fucking pass rusher. Yeah, he had the third yeah. interception of his fucking season. Um, just incredible between him and then the other Lions rookie who was like a sixth round pick has been really good too. So really, uh, really, really incredible stuff. So go for the Lions too. Way to keep fighting. I, I'm rooting for them. I'm rooting for them to make it. Um, I'm not sure that they're going to, but like you kind of feel good about the direction. And I've said it yesterday, and I stand by it, that I think Jared Goff is a borderline MVP candidate. It's going to be really hard for them to rationalize why they want to replace him because he's been the best quarterback that they've had. Obviously, he's been the only quarterback since Matt Stafford, but you remove Matt Stafford from the equation, like – 
he has been the second best quarterback for that team in the last 30 years. I think yeah. they can do it in a way of getting a guy maybe not in the first round, but like maybe a later round guy that needs like Jaden Daniels or something. He's staying. He's staying? Yep. Oh, wow, that's weird. No, it's good for him because he mm. gets another year. I was su- I'm surprised by that, though, because he, he, he came on strong. I would have figured he would have capitalized on that. Like Anthony Richardson capitalized on it. Um, eh, we'll, I mean, see with, it, we'll see with him, though. I, first round pick. Call on the, right now. I mean, I got, Jared Goss had some like off years, but I've never felt like he was consistently terrible. Was is there like a stint that he was consistently terrible? When uh, what's his face was the head coach there? Uh, the guy before um, Sean McVay. Who am Jeff I thinking Fisher. of? Yeah, he was not good with Fisher, but nobody was. He no he the problem with um, Goff with under McVay, I think he, teams started figuring him out, and you saw. His like, if you want to just look at it from like a macro view, his touchdowns and interceptions, like he had like 32, so 30, it's 28 and 7, 32 and 12, and then it went 22 and 16, 2013. So you start seeing that he was not as efficient scoring and was throwing a lot more interceptions. So I think the teams just kind of started figuring out what they did. And I think Goff is a little bit limited schematically. To where Stafford has such a fucking elite arm that you can just do anything with him. Mm. So I think what the Lions are doing with them, and obviously the run game there is just ridiculous. Oh so yeah, it's good, baby. He's he's an ideal like Danny Daniel Jones situation. It's having that like power run offense, and he just kind of like controls it and like you know tucks and runs. And but I, I got to say, Daniel Jones, stop fucking taking contact please for the love of god we're going to the playoffs andrew thomas said it yesterday to go out of bounds yeah Don't take that fucking and, hit and i think we saw a bit more of that there was he was getting real amped up and that's where you saw him start when he gets really pumped and he's really into the drive he starts taking hits because he's re- he's someone that gets into i think the play the game yeah. and and that that gives him some energy um yeah, you're definitely right, but I also saw moments where he was smart to to do things like slide and make those right types of play moves too, right? Like he he knew to step out here instead of take on that collision or what have you, especially towards the end of the game where things like that could become very unnecessary because there was also a lot of pushing and shoving towards the end of that game. Yeah, the Colts got very frustrated. Um, there was Pittman that time Jr. was was yeah. getting into it a bit at one point. Well, when they when they when they did the low hit on Daniel Jones, like he was he went down and the guy hit him on the ground, that caused a lot of a lot of fights. Yeah, I, I want to point out. I think Brian Dable's coach of the year. Um, easy, it's gotta be Ron Rivera. <laughs> <laughs> Riverboat Ron, Daniel Jones turnovers. So this includes fumbles and lost fumbles and interceptions year to year. 2019, 23. 2020, 16. 2021 10 this year eight wow he's got he's got more rushing touchdowns than he has interceptions on the year he's got seven rushing touchdowns to five interceptions i was gonna say i believe that going into this game he had what 18 touchdowns on the year so if you count rushing and and passing he had i think uh 13 and five so he had 18 yeah (laughs) 
he had 18 and then he ran for two and he passed for he's got 20 he's got 22 total right now yeah and in all other combined years he had 50 career high in completion percentage at 67.2 his second highest was second 64.3 so it's a three-point jump um lowest total interceptions touchdowns are still not as high uh total but his QBR is career high. QB ratings all career high. I mean, so Brian Dable's done a really masterful job. There yeah. are two people that I could see winning that. That's not named Brian Dable, though. Mike McDaniel. No. Oh. Um, Doug Peterson. Very much. Or yeah. Dan Campbell. I love Dan Campbell. Former and, gi- former giant, and he just fuck. I love that dude. I don't want to. I don't want to speak negatively about Dayball or like, no, he's not worth it. But there are also other coaches that have done a really great job. Yeah, um, Putting together for for franchises similar to the Giants that have had some really rough years the past three or four. I mean, Jacksonville's been bad since David Garrard left. I would um, argue Pete Carroll deserves a lot of consideration too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's true. He's turned he's turned things around considerably, and, and so and and then you got to also look at Geno Smith too, right? Like Kev, who, Kevin, we haven't thought that we, guy would have had a game, you know, like or a year. We didn't even mention, by the way, Kevin O'Connell, twelve and four. I mean, the Vikings has just been so up and down that it's like, but yeah. it's first year he's twelve and four. Yeah, there's they've won I, in spite of Kirk Cousins. I, I want to say, and I want to also think that you like that we sit here and we all kind of suspect this is a team of smoke and mirrors. The the Vikings have won most of their games by like three points or less, you know, or a score or less, and they're just been on the the lucky end of a lot of they got fucking a lot of last minute plays. Yeah, and then you see things like that happen. You go, oh, maybe maybe the curtain is rising, right? I was very I, happy I, yesterday when because we were, we went into yesterday facing San Francisco. And now we're facing Minnesota, and I'm very happy about that. I think Kirk Cousins gets away with a lot of stuff because he's just good enough to keep a starting job. Um, but 14 picks on the year, and mm. and it's taken. I don't know how many. I don't know how many Vikings games that you watch, but it seems like the first half of those games they're not able to do anything on offense, and they have to like really put it together in the second half and. I mean, oh, I have, I have totally Kirk Cousins. I have Kirk Cousins on my fantasy team, and like always, the first half is like six for fourteen for ninety yards, no touchdowns or scoring, and then at the te- back end of the game, like thank God I played Jared Goff yesterday, and you know if I had played Kirk Cousins, I probably would have jumped out of a window. You um, should have. I, I agree. <laughs> but Gato, I want to go back to what you were saying for a second. Geno Smith. Start. What a, what a fucking incredible year. He is fourth in passing touchdowns. He is number one in completion percentage right now. Sir. Outhouse to the penthouse. 4,000 passing yards, 29 touchdowns, nine interceptions, almost three to one in- ratio. Incredible. Like, incredible. Incredible, incredible season for him. And something nobody would you have gone into the season thinking that stat line was going to be his? No, he's sixth in no. QBR. He's fifth in QB rating. I mean, he's he's just ha- and he got a little revenge yesterday against the fucking Jets. And they went big, I, too. I love seeing. <laughs> I mean, to be to his credit, though, to be fair, 
he was never really given a fair shake in New York. Mm-hmm. And I think there are a lot of things. I don't, I honestly don't recall who was in that draft class, but it was, seeing, a, it was a horrible draft class. And I think he's the only one that's left from it, right? That was the 2013 class. And that was EJ Manuel, gone, um, Geno Smith. Um, oh man, I'm trying throw, to remember. Ryan, Ryan Nassib was part of that. What do you, well, no, I want to hear your thoughts. What are, what are your thoughts on uh, Ryan Nassib? I mean, he was a career backup. All right, so he, so by Syracuse guy, though, I figured you'd defend him. I mean, EJ, he's a great Syracuse player, but so these are the main guys: EJ Manuel, Geno Smith, Mike Glennon, Matt Barkley, the neck, <laughs> Ryan, what that neck do, <laughs> <laughs> and Tyler Bray. Yeah, I remember Tyler Bray. He was a Tennessee guy. Um, yeah, he was. Yeah. But I mean, he was never really given a fair shake in New York because he threw 21 interceptions in his first year. And mm. I think everyone said, like, you know, this guy is not going to be able to cut it. But I mean, that team was also not great either. And then he got his face caved in by some dude that I think was supposed to go to a camp that Geno Smith was running or the other way around. I think there was a – no, I think it was – what I, I, I could have swore it was like a Vegas trip or something. Yeah, it was something dumb. But he got punched in the face by a practice player, and it effectively derailed his entire career. Wow. That, that was the moment when they bro- when he broke his fucking jaw. It was uh, Iken Mufa and Kampali. Yeah. Um, he broke his jaw. And that was like a pinnacle year for him. Like it was like this is a proving year for Gino. Then he went to fucking the Giants. He went to the fucking Chargers. And then all of a sudden, just Seattle, man. It just worked. Yeah. I mean, he was a backup for two years. And I think that was when they were gotten into, like, the Jets got into that Fitz magic era where they were like, Ryan Fitzpatrick is the cure to all of our ails until he's not anymore. Um, and, I mean, he's – I think there is something to be applauded for his stick to to show the world that he's actually a really good quarterback. Because I don't know if you guys watched him at West Virginia, but he was a fucking superstar there. They had uh, – what was it? Uh, who were the receivers there that were so good? I know Steve Slayton was Steve on that Slayton team. Steve Slayton was on that team. Oh, fuck. Uh, Tavon Austin was there too. That was, they were that was it. fucking yeah. ruthless. That team was awesome. That was that. I think that was like the Rich Rodriguez years where they were actually worth watching. Um, Stedman Bailey. Remember Stedman Bailey? I do, yeah. He was a fucking stud. But yeah. yeah that, they, they, they were fun. The West Virginia team was fun. And now they're not. No. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, good good on him. I, I think he's definitely the comeback player of the year. He's a pro bowler now. And all of the people that doubted him, they have Zach Wilson. <laughs> oh, man. Sometimes the grass is not greener, man. I'm not saying Sam Darnold's good, but fuck, man. Do you think the Jets would take – if you could do a swap right now for Zach Wilson for Sam Darnold, do you think the Jets would do it? Yes. Yeah, I do too. He looked great in that game against Tampa. He did, and I was watching towards the end. He he's throwing a lot of near interceptions. So, but granted, they're trying to win the game at that point. But I don't know, man. I I just think that the Jets need to throw out whatever process because it seems like it's multiple, um, multiple people who have like been at the helmet GM just keep fucking up the quarterback. No, let, let me paint a scenario for you. The Jets draft Justin Fields instead, which they should have 
done in first. They'd ruin him. <laughs> that this is the, the Tom, uh, Tom. Is this the not the Knicks argument? Are the Jets are the Jets the fucking Knicks of the NFL in the sense that like we feel uh, I felt like I felt like we could have LeBron James, Kobe, all these guys in their prime, and we would go fifteen and forty nine. I I think I think you're being a little hard on the Jets. I don't think they're like they've improved significantly. They have two Pro Bowl uh, Pro Bowl um selections at a probably like, probably like gonna win offenses. Yeah. They they honestly if Brees Hall never got hurt, they would probably have two people vying for offensive rookie of the year and then Sauce Gardner who I think is gonna win. Yeah. Defensive. Yeah. They're still a young team. They got they got their rough edges. They gotta New fix some things though. and work on yeah, but you know what? They they used to have a lot more problems than needing a quarterback. And if they're just down to figuring that one out, you know, that it's it's just a waiting game. I don't think they're as doomed as your Knicks. <laughs> Joe Douglas is the GM there? Yes. So I think it's fair to say he's had more hits than misses at this point. Oh, and, significantly. And I would say if the Jets were not there to draft Zach Wilson, somebody right behind them was going to do it. Like, for some reason, everybody was totally pilled on the guy with the magic underwear from Utah, <laughs> and people were going to sell out to get him. And for, for whatever reason, Justin Fields was just not their guy, even though he actually played real competition and has experience in big games for BYU is just, you know, they, they play a protected schedule because they're an independent team. They're an independent team with no conference affiliation, so they can play whoever they want. They played in a bullshit bowl game against Coastal Carolina that Frank, like Coastal Carolina is a good school, but they are not a, they're not a prove it's, institution they're not a prove it football program so i was shocked that the falcons didn't take justin fields like georgia kid you know would have made a you, lot of sense you know you would have thought that would have made sense but they wanted to stick around one more Kyle year Pitts. yeah i mean to be fair not a terrible pick um but not, not using them certainly yeah, very well. well thank you marcus Mariota, for being a fucking plank of wood for the whole season this is why i think people need to stop overcomplicating the quarterback position sometimes because like they looked at justin fields and they they instead of instead of just looking at what he could do they just kept asking what does he do wrong yeah a lot and, of people missed on him but if you look at all of the great teams they will just say we like this guy's talent we'll just build the offense around him and see where it goes yep. versus the teams that are just too traditional We're like well no he's got to adapt he's got to be a pocket quarterback because that's the best way that they're going to survive in this league and one can make the argument that the league has progressed enough where you can be a mobile quarterback who's accurate and have a long shelf life i don't know i, I again going back to the same argument with coaches there is no actual way to evaluate talent in terms of like what the overall outcome and success is going to be like there are clearly going to be people who are busts but at the same time, there, you, there's a lot of like inherent bias that goes into the draft process. Is there a place that you think that Zach Wilson could go and maybe have a chance of being like the guy he was supposed to be? Or do you, do you think that he's – so I think the better question is, do you think that he needs a fresh start somewhere or do you think that he's just flawed and he's just not good? I think he probably needs a fresh start somewhere. New York is a tough place to play. 
He needs to go to like, I know that the Cardinals signed Kyler Murray. He needs to go to Arizona and be a nobody for a while. I, I, I'm inclined to think that one of the things he needs to do is actually probably mature a little bit in the league and just simmer in the background. And yeah, I know like, that's what you're saying. Tom is like, go, go to Arizona and let people forget who you are. Um, Cause everyone, everyone likes a comeback story, but like, there's a part of me that wonders if he can, like, he needs to still be somewhat there to mature in the light because his big problem is like, he might not have that maturity level to do it. Like he wasn't, he wasn't the captain of his college football team. Mm. And then like he comes in and he, he makes a lot of, you know, and, and he, he did do, he did walk back a lot of those previous eras of like the things. It doesn't seem very well liked. His reception issue will, be an issue that will affect his performance on a field and it will perfect the cohesion he has in a locker room with anyone he, he has to work with. And I think that bad first impression, he needs to be in the spotlight doing the work to fix his receivers said they don't have a relationship with him. Like yeah. they don't know who he is. And everybody was wearing those Mike white shirts when he started. Yep. And it yeah. just seems like the, he, he was able to captivate that locker room. Yeah. Cause he's an underdog guy. And like he he gets it at this point. This is the second team, and he knows how to like build bonds with guys. If I'm Zach Wilson, and think of me with beautiful hair and a thing for older women, um, I am asking to go to a couple of places: Minnesota, Kansas City, the Rams, Rams. I am asking to either be traded or be released. And like, no, he, they're going to release him. He's gone. He's done. But but I think like or wherever Sean Payton ends up, like try to find somebody who's an offensive. Did you mention mind. San Francisco? He did not. Shanahan. But I feel like they're so fucking quarterback heavy there. Like, yeah. are they, they, they go, are they going away from Purdy? No, but they don't. But like, I mean, come on, let's be real here. Brock Purdy is fine. He's a nice story. He's a nice story. But I also don't think Trey Lance is going to be the one who's going to be the the guy to do it there either. Brock Brock Purdy is not it. He's he's perfectly fine, but he's not going I like I I I think when the playoffs come around, you're going to probably see him come back to, down to earth. Yeah. So I I would say an offensive-minded coach with good players around there. And like a good quarterback there too to learn from, but also just like knowing and understanding how a functioning like offense is supposed to work and operate. I and just go from there. I just don't think he gets that second chance with a lot of teams because he he broke protocol, man. He broke the like. I am you never know. I mean, Geno Smith dynamic. got his fucking jaw broken and he came back, but that was behind the scenes, right? Like fair. I think he he's gonna have to be willing to suck it up and take a third string quarterback job if it's out there. Heavy humbling, yep. with an opportunity to like get in there. At something some point. I something I think Josh Rosen kind of had to do, but he just never really got another shot. So yeah, um, yeah, I I don't know. I I don't know what to think about him. I honestly, he's got a lot of talent, but like I just I don't know, man. Some some guys have a lot of talent that just can't play quarterback. It's 
I, I think, you know, he's going to be plagued with this perception about him for a very long time. And even after he's able to, like, fix that, if he ever gets a chance to fix that, I think it, it still always is in the back of people people's minds. It's just... Uh, he's got well, a very... He's going to be that guy for a uphill, very long time. It's an uphill battle. It's just... Uh, I, I don't see him actually overcoming. By the way, um, Ian Rappaport just reported um, that he has sources telling him that the Giants are planning on offering multi-year deals to Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley in the offseason. Okay. Yikes. Not ideal. I don't know how to feel about that, honestly, because, you know, we've had the Saquon, Saquon question, and it's like I just don't know what to do with that. Saquon cooling. Well, right you don't you don't have numbers in front of you yet. So I think yeah. multi-year deal can mean a lot of things. I think for Daniel Jones, it means it's a two-year deal. I think for Saquon, it's like an incentive-laden deal. But ultimately, though, it I, I am a little bullish on this more than you are, Q, in the sense that because the Giants don't have money to be given out like massive contracts to people, right. they could be offering like they could be offering low ball offers and be like, listen, the cap is what it is. Like we can't fuck with it. Cause Dave Gettleman is a mad scientist when it comes to fucking things up. <laughs> so I kind of, I'm okay if they structured the way that they structured the, the Derek Carr contract in that you can pretty much, you're paying them a decent amount, but you can pretty much get out of it any single year. Yeah. And like, honestly, like I said, the, the two, two years, 40 million, for Daniel Jones makes a lot of sense to me. Probably a little bit. Maybe it's going to probably be two two years fifty at this point. Saquon, like I don't know, man. Like, were you going to give him twenty two million a year for a running I, back? It's I, a lot of money I, I just, for a guy you got hurt a lot too. Yeah, I I wouldn't jump to any conclusions based on that like fortune cookie. Saquon Saquon is not Saquon Rappaport, is not though. Saquon is not taking anything less than top tier money. I can tell you that right now. There's I mean, no shot. Okay, but we're we're also not giving. Uh, this would be this would be Shone's like first test with the Giants. I trust him. Howie, and yeah, Shane. I I, I trust was showing. <laughs> I, tr- I, 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 like, I said that first when I before I like I was like this Shone. I know. I always say. I always say, man. I don't know why. Um, uh, but, I trust Shane. I trust Abel. I'm not worried about it. But like, it's just in my mind, it's like. The minute you start paying them, and then they got to pay Th- Thomas soon, and they got to pay Dexter Warren soon, and it's like, fuck, we're running out of money. So, yeah, I mean, the one thing I will say is I think that uh, Saquon is a good sport, and Daniel Jones will just be very happy to be on a roster next year. So, there's he's going to have suitors. I mean, at this point, I think the Colts uh, will be a suitor for him. Um, there's going to be a bunch of teams. I mean, don't count the Raiders out in that scenario. St- like, don't I, I? I would say honestly, the Titans might even be in on him. Like, he's going to have offers for sure. And, and it Washington that- will offer him a contract, and he'll be the, the Jets might offer him a contract. That would be ridiculous, but hey. And, and and if anything, too, I don't know if this is makes you feel any better, but if Saquon says no, thanks. You can always just throw a franchise tag on him and then see yeah. where it goes. And you yeah. get you get one more good year out of him and then you let him walk and it gives you some time to prep for the future. He might be all bitchy and moany about it, but I mean you're gonna make the 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 cap of what running backs are getting in the league. 
I, I think that's actually ends up being like the much smarter move to be completely honest, because it's like, Oh, you aren't happy here. You're going to go have to go prove you're worth the money somewhere else. Right. So get out on that field and get some yards for us. Right. I mean, he's been injured a lot though. Gatto. Like, I, Oh yeah, no, I'm not arguing. No, 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 no. And, 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 I, and I wasn't, I wasn't implying that that was an argument, but just like a guy who was hurt for two straight years. And this is the one year he's been back. Like, Teams are also going to say, like, I want it's to a risk. It. I want to so see you do it again. Here's, yeah. what I would, here's what I would do, Saquon. I would put the franchise tag on him. I would let him know, listen, if you want to go out there and you want to gauge a trade market, you know, because he's not going to like the franchise tag, obviously, and let him work out numbers with other teams and set his own market. Set your own market. And if there's a if there's a good trade to be had and like they're willing to pay you something that the Giants are not willing to pay, work it out. But like this is dangerous territory when you start paying running backs twenty plus million a year. It's just it it, it is the death it is a death kiss of your franchise when you start doing that. I, I again I don't see especially seeing what happened at up in Buffalo. I just. I, I think they, they turn around, they ultimately are like, look, we can figure things out. Uh, we're, we'll be resilient. And I, I find the way you're like your logic and reasoning cue on this one works very well is, you know, let's let's see if this if he can create an opportunity for himself. He's having a high year, sell high, buy low. Look, look like everywhere else. It's it's running back by committee for the Bills, well, right? Yeah, so I mean, like, look, look, might at, look at the teams too. that win the Super Bowl the last few years. They're not teams. They're teams that, like, the Bucks got Leonard Fournette for cheap, right? Because mm-hmm. he just wanted to, like, play on a big team. Like, getting those type of guys that want to come play with you for a cheap contract, that's how you do it at running back. Like, the average salary, I think, total at running back is, like, 7 or $8 million a year for teams in and, general. And, and then have- you look at the contracts, right? Zeke. Todd Six Gurley. years, ninety million. How's that working out for them? Yeah, Zeke, Todd and, Gurley, Christian McCaffrey, like none of them have worked out. Alvin and, Kamara, and and that's the thing. I think for years we were we were in this realm of like players like Ladamian Tomlinson, Adrian Peterson, and yep. it it changed and it spoiled the landscape a little bit mm-hmm. because there, there's not standout like that. The games played differently too now. You're more of a decoy. <laughs> like, I mean, Gato, am I wrong that at some points in this year, Matt Breida and Gary Brightwell were running better than Saquon was? I, I think, like, there are certainly moments where, and I think we're seeing it right now, like, uh, Breida, Breida might not, you know, always net you better, better yardage, but, like, there are moments where he's the one that I'd rather have in that backfield. Like by, he, was, by, he was running pretty well at the end of the game. So. And that, and that's what I'm saying. Like third quarter, you definitely see that if there is much spark in Saquon, it, it starts to simmer a bit. And granted, there are exceptions to that rule this year. And he's played exceptionally well this year. I don't want to take that away from him. I um, love Saquon. Personally. Yeah. I just when it comes to the money thing, it's going to be tough. It, it's very, very tough. But I, I, don't I, know. Do, I do trust Shane that he's going to do it in, in a way that makes it uh, easy to operate. But like, cause like Dexter Lawrence is going to be expensive. Yeah. And, and, and that's the thing. I think still in the end, if Saquon goes somewhere else, like it will, 
it will probably be all right because he has a decent resume. Um, he's never lied about his resume uh, or uh, fabricated anything <laughs> on his resume. Wow. It's, has anyone ever really fabricated their resume, Gallo? I mean, it depends on what you're we're talking about, right? Like, I mean, uh, well, like politics. I feel like politics have, that happens a lot. Actually, right? let's let's start with uh, <laughs> let's talk about our resumes. Have is there anything on your resume that you've maybe embellished? Never. I would never do that. No, never. I'm fully honest in everything. I'm fully pilled on my resume. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> me too. Um. But you know, not everybody thinks this way, and and not everybody feels similarly. Oh God, I don't even heard about this guy named George Santos. No, tell me about him. <laughs> so George Santos, um, Tom, you want to start us off with uh, with George? Yeah. So George Santos, <laughs> if that is your real name, yeah, is I'm that starting, I'm starting to wonder. Name? I'm starting to wonder if it really is. Um, he also has multiple aliases, including Anthony Zabrowski and Anthony Zavolder. Oh, please tell me he's like a Russian like plant, <laughs> a sleeper. God, I hope so. Oh. Um, so he won the New York Third Congressional District in November, and he is going to be a representative for the Republican Party. A couple of weeks ago, prior to the Christmas break, there were a number of reports that had come out that um, a lot of the things that he claimed about himself were not, in fact, true couple of the ones that were most notable were some of his previous employers. I think one of them, he said that he worked for JP Morgan. Is that correct? And Goldman Sachs. And Goldman Sachs. And they have no record of him um, ever being employed there. And there's another one about where he went to college that also went to be – false as well i think it was uh so for, if for anyone, college for yeah baruch for any long islanders he is covering essentially the glen cove huntington hicksville and great neck area essentially can can uh, we might have to take a pause here folks for a second what what is this story that the, i just sent the, you uh, the brazilian the beast, one the daily beast story what the fuck is this this, this is guy. Is, this guy seems like he is just a like a serial liar. He's like a literally a everything. human chameleon. Chameleon. Yeah, and he and I, and I don't get it because he. I've listened to his interviews and he's not very engaging or anything. So, um, I don't know if you guys saw the Tulsi interview with him while she was hosting a Tucker show. Oh, she like, roasted him. She roasted surprisingly. Him. Nah, it's not that surprising to me because like she because you know why they didn't actually talk about his like how he got the money she never hit him on the finance stuff like how how did you have evictions and all of a sudden you get seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars for your campaign like didn't ask him that she just pretty much was like oh you lied about being jewish and like very like minor stuff that like well technically he never said that he was jewish he i'm said jewish he- ish. <laughs> i always tell him i'm very jew ish he's latino am i am i wrong Potentially, we have no idea. We there's have no, no idea. There's he's no, no guarantee what what he is. Maybe he's an NPC that's like a glitch in the matrix. Like George that. Santos, aka Anthony Zabrowski, is probably a writer on the recruit. 
Or lied about that. That would or be a more interesting that, story. Or lied that he was not a writer on that show, so he wasn't connected with how terrible it is. But yeah, I mean, he's lied about where he's worked. He's lied about where he's gone to school. Baruch College, they had no record of him. And um, he basically went on Twitter and said, like, everybody's lying about this. I am who I am. And he had to, like, walk that back. And I'm, there's a New York Times article that's out. This is Brazilian authorities will revive fraud case against George Santos like this motherfucker is going to be in Congress representing people and he's like I represent the people of the New York third it's like bro nobody likes you right now I don't even know how he got elected well I kind of do well it was it's funny because if we didn't talk about this as uh as a story he wasn't actually going to be my asshole of the week but Democrats that should have been vetting him were my assholes of the week for not doing the due diligence into any candidate at any level. Like this guy has lots of skeletons in his closet, clearly. And it didn't take much until his name became nationally known that he was elected for people to, you know, go and dig this up. Like it took nothing. Like I also want to point out that he also claimed uh, there was a Gothamist article that, Apparently, he claimed he received radiation for a brain tumor in 2020 and refuses to answer any questions about it. So this guy just sounds like, what are those compulsive liars called? Compulsive um, liars? Compulsive liars. <laughs> no, there's like a psychological term for it. Oh, no, like a narcissist. Well, I'm sure that's like every politician. So he but I mean, also this is more like he's, sociopathic behavior, though. He 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 pathological he's an, lying. Yeah, he's an openly gay man who never disclosed that he was married to a woman. Now, obviously, there are plenty of people who are gay and then go on to get married and then obviously, you know, become you know, they they come out of the closet and then all of a sudden, but like he was not forthright in letting people know that he has been married previously. Cause he, the timeline seemed to, again, it just seems like he just seems to lie about mundane things because he's ultimately like, no one would care if you're gay, but it's at the same time. It's like, why are you lying about the timelines? It just seems like every little thing he does is it's, it's yeah. interesting. And, and I think he lost his mother during the nine 11 attacks. Yeah. Yeah. Which by the way, uh, he, there was a post on Twitter recently in which he they somebody found and he said oh i missed i lost my mom a few years ago and it was like 2016 so it was like she did not die in 9-11 yeah there are conflicting there are there i saw something on instagram where there were two conflicting tweets that he put out about how his mother had died and they were like within the same year in 2021 they were like four months apart from one another um but yeah it's also you should take a look at his profile picture on Instagram. He looks like a wax model. <laughs> he got Tom Swazi's old seed. I'm I'm surprised. That's a that's a demo, that's like a it's a dem area usually, not like a significant one, but though that, um, that oh no, that I was gonna say what was the uh the big win in New York that they were all like this is huge. And it's like that was though, um, as as New York's landscape changes as the the economy is tight and the cost of everything is high like is it really that shocking like yeah i think i think that was um oh i'm trying to remember who who that was but yeah they they new york new york had I, by the way i'm so fucking sick of the new york democrats um 
Kathy Hochul, I'm I'm starting to wonder if like we would have been better off with Zelda at this point because at least like he wears it on his sleeve that he's a piece of shit. Ka- Kathy Hochul, by the way, the other day, um, she she put forward a um, Supreme Court uh, for the New York Supreme Court. I'm trying to remember the guy's name. Oh, the guy who is like anti-LGBT and anti-labor unions. And also has very mixed history on abortion. Yep. This is going to be a 14-year term. And she's ready. She had uh, Hector. What's his name? Hold on. Hector LaSalle. So this is going to be like one of the top judges in New York. And she's ready to not. She nominated him. And like he's going. This guy's history is awful. And he's going to shape New York law for the next fucking almost two decades. And, you know, a guy who's going to try and crush unions, he's fuck, I just, this is, this is like, what are you doing? And, and, and New York Republicans are happy about it. And I'm like, I don't know why they hated her so much. She's pretty much a Republican. Well, they still want to win the seat, right? I know. What I'm a, just saying, whatever it is, but like, but like with friends, uh, like, with, with enemies like this, I mean, Jesus. Yeah, it that that selection just doesn't make any sense to me because there's so mm. many better people, and I would imagine too that if you're the governor of New York, you might want to also explore what it's like to be the president of the United States, and by selecting this dude, I I just I don't see where you're able to establish like firm ground of like what your values are, because I would imagine that any Democrat who's going to run for president is going to want, or even just run for governor again to get like the unions on board. They're going to lose next time. Well, yep. Like, but this, this is the thing. Why this is the thing that I had seen. I had seen this on, on the treadmill the other day or, or this morning. And it was on Fox News and it was, you know, Biden is trying to take a more moderate route, reach across the aisle and trying to to go center to create some sort of cohesion. And I know and and we're like we're right back in it. Right. We're going right back into that place. And it's like doing these things like in the act of like creating cohesion doesn't doesn't stop people who really just want to see your downfall from taking full advantage. If you're going to give me a hand up, I'm going to take it, but I'm still going to try to stomp you down at some point, right? Like it doesn't make any sense, but I think that that's resonant here too. And that Kathy Holchel is pretending that she can reach across and make, make a good gesture of goodwill, but it's in the worst place possible. It's like, you want to lose like every court case, (laughs) imaginable like i don't and you know what maybe it is and and sorry let me just with this one maybe it is that there is a new system and that is to get democratic leaders elected you have to create a boogeyman in the judicial that then allows for voters to mobilize and get the votes to get legislators to push a liberal agenda and maybe that's the machine that they've created and that is the machine in which they actually see themselves utilizing to gain support and get legislation through that they want. But all that means is that every time there's a court case, regardless of the law, it will be ineffective in, in the judicial branch. So you're stalemating somewhere else and you're making a problem for yourself somewhere else. 
And it's not a shot. I hate every part of what you said, but it's kind of true. <laughs> but, it, but again, it's like the question of like deviant or dumb, you know, is she doing this because her corporate backers want her to, or does she actually think that by nominating a centrist that that will lead to people being like, Oh, she works down the aisle. Is it, she even nominating a centrist? She's nominating someone in the opposition. So fucking, this is why New York, New York and California. I don't know why people think this is like some kind of liberal Haven, yeah. They, the worst Democrats come from New York I, and California. It, it's funny because this move, when you said it, I was like, it stinks of California politics. Like it, it has. It, it, I'm it, telling you, the best really Democrats bad. come from the Midwest. Honestly, like the the Pacific Northwest and the Midwest. Honestly, best Democrats. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you also read that article in the New York Times about how. Um, Kathy Hochul is trying to get Penn Station listed as a blight to the city so they can Didn't fact she help track. build it. Oh, that's why. Yeah. Because they so want to build can, on top of it. So they can fast track the remodel of it and they want to build 10 skyscrapers there. But by, by the way, Penn Station has never looked so good. <laughs> I walked through, like we were walking through it. It is like they've redone it. It's significantly better than it's ever been. Um, I, I don't, I mean, I get it. They could build up and put lots of fancy stores above it, but do you have to get rid of it? I don't, I don't know if that's the problem. I hate the way Penn station looks now. I really do. I fucking hate it. Cause it doesn't feel like the New York we know. No, I miss, I miss roses and I miss being able to buy fucking, you know, a a beer in a fucking paper bag. It felt better when it was an actual blight. (sighs) So. For the technical so term for New York State is if New York State officials deem an urban area to be blighted, blocks can be bulldozed and people and businesses can be forced to relocate and new towers unbound by limits on size and height as defined by the city's normal planning rules can rise. I hate this fucking city. Why would you do this? How is that a law? It's like it eminent, dom- so is it like eminent domain shit. Yeah, it's just it's. Eminent domain, but like if an area is in crisis, you can basically just like bulldoze it and build a. So basically, go to like wall. any any low income areas and just start bulldozing. So That's exactly what they've been doing for years, anyway. And you know, Eric Adams has been fucking getting rid of like the again when it comes to the homeless like tenement, like they're they're like the stuff that they build for themselves. He'll go in there and he'll just bulldoze it. And it's like, that's not solving the problem, man. Like, you're cleaning up that area. Now they have to go. You're basically just ruining all their shit instead of, like, trying to help these people. It's just, ugh. Yeah. Um, So looking at going more into this New York Times article, its ability to intervene was meant to ensure that neglected areas do not languish. But critics say the officials have long abused the power to pry private properties away from their owners and they accuse Ms. Hochul of continuing the practice with Penn Station redevelopment projects. So basically it is eminent domain, except they call these areas like they're in crisis and they basically can do whatever they want with them. Because you know what you need, Q? You know what you need, Gatto? Another fucking Walgreens. I do. <laughs> Across the street from a CVS, Another which is down the street from a Rite Aid. I actually prefer that my CVS is inside of my Walgreens. And with and a Dwayne Reed on top of it, too. Exactly. And you have to walk through a Rite Aid to get there. Yeah. And the person who's working a minimum wage job has their Rite Aid like vest on at their CVS job because they have no fucking clue where they work anymore. It's, it's just a patchwork 
of all the different vests. <laughs> Dude, this is insane. Like, you're right. Like, I don't. And it's it, it's a shame because like a few a few months ago, I was like actually praising some of the things she was doing. But it's like, oh, I guess now that you're elected, it's yeah. No, we're just we're we're not going to do anything we planned on doing or following through. Like the thing is, though, is the, doesn't the city own Penn Station? How can the city that owns a property say it's blighted and we have to get rid of it? Like you fucking own it. It's because she's getting big developer donations. Isn't her husband in charge of the guy, like the company that's like doing the renovations in Penn Station? Probably. I mean, they pissed the libertarians off about this, which is oh shocking. They're fucking pissed off about everything. Well, I mean, doesn't this give you a little reason to be pissed too? No, they no, they're they're right half the time. Unfortunately, (laughs) (laughs) the only things that they don't get right are like. Not having fire departments. Yeah, not having fire departments, age of consent, and other stuff like that. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Well, what do you say, boys? Yep. It's time to get to our favorite sec- section. I'm going to be different because it's Ooh, 2023. You different. I'm going to do a hero of the week. Shiro, you mean. <laughs> Girl boss. <laughs> <laughs> I got to give it to James Cameron, man. Everyone doubts him constantly. And yet this man just delivers. I don't care for Avatar. Just putting it out there. But I respect James Cameron as a filmmaker. Everyone said that Avatar has been such a long time since that movie came out. It's not culturally relevant. No one cares. It currently is at $1.38 billion and is on pace it had it literally had no change in week to week and it's going to go and become the highest grossing movie of all time the man just puts out bangers so i respect him as a filmmaker he's a hero and again everyone continually doubts him and everyone said there's no way avatar is going to do this and yet it does it so and not bad for a movie that's three and a half hours long Again, he he just he continually does it over and over again, and I love there was a there was a story that someone put out that I don't I don't know if it's true, but again, you know you hope that it is, and someone was one of the like studio execs was complaining about the the cost. Obviously, like Avatar two, it's been in production for fucking a decade, and it costs like two billion dollars, and he his response was, "You see that building over there? Titanic built that fucking building." <laughs> So he's like, basically like, fuck you. I'm going to, be- I make, I make fucking hits. And the, the man just make fucking hits. Every fucking movie he puts out makes insane amount of money. I mean, as, as much as like, I don't think the story plot of Avatar is something that interests me. Like James Cameron, the way he does shoot things. He's always trying to push the boundaries of like new directorial, new cinematography styles, new like he's always trying to innovate in those senses. And I appreciate that in this current state of where everything is kind of like down to a formula, he's the the one like big name that's still pushing for the innovation in cinematography the way he does. And he's 
unafraid to spend money to do it and it's it's paying it's paying off still you know and without that like where would we be right without without the avatar do we have all the quote-unquote superhero bangers you know what i mean like it probably probably not to the same quality so and for what it's worth too i mean you look at the directors that had their heyday in the 80s 90s and early 2000s and the one that comes to my mind right now is michael bay and michael bay has not put out anything worth worth watching since what bad boys too that's what i was thinking yeah. which like, again he's he's like a pyrotechnics guy that's his thing yeah right? yeah, yeah blowing yeah. things up <laughs> I, well, ambulance. I, I haven't seen ambulance, but I heard that that was supposed to be pretty good. Yeah. So, I mean, Avatar, the first one, was not my cup of tea. I didn't really care. I for don't it. really even remember anything about it, honestly. Like, I haven't. I, 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 I don't. Ha- I, for me, like, it's not so much like that. I love his movies. It's more of just like I just appreciate him. Like, I think he's a rare find in these type of days, where a guy who spent a fucking decade working on one movie. Mm-hmm. Like he's made this his life project, and like everyone kept saying, it's not going to be successful. Like it's not, it's not culturally relevant. It's not going to happen, and it just. But he get, keeps doing his thing. Don't, yeah. da- don't yeah. bet against Cameron. I said, don't bet against fucking Mike Tomlin. By the way, Steelers are probably going to end up with a uh, a non losing record again. Don't bet against James Cameron. Yeah. So, I mean, too, particularly in the last couple of years, we're. Gato, you said it. Like, all the movies have been so formulaic. They've all been superhero movies, by the mm-hmm. way. Like, we have not seen a lot of, like, original films that have been able to capture people. It's nice to see, again, a, a movie that I'm probably not going to go watch, but a movie that is non-superhero related go out there and make a fuck ton of money and show, hopefully show movie studios, like, take a chance on a movie that you think has potential but it's not like the mainstream superhero movies like dc take fucking notes <laughs> like yeah everybody at disney take notes like because james Ca- james cameron saw the haters and he's walking away with a giant fucking check and i hope he gets paid for it no he's he's getting paid but yeah no he's he's awesome so i just some of my favorite movies. I love Aliens. I love fucking T two. So like I, I just he just rarely ever makes a bad movie. So it may not be my my kind of movie Avatar, but like I can appreciate um, the skill. So yeah, got it. Who you got? So um, you know, it's the holiday season, right? And everybody's traveling, and sure as shit, there is going to be some sort of catastrophic you know weather event that has to affect like the state of travel and sure shit it did and the the stories right now that you hear uh, from like about southwest and how their system basically collapsed under having to manage and 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 deal with all the rebookings and it was just too much for them to handle and the nightmare scenarios where it left people stranded without their luggage it left people like sleeping in airports and getting arrested and threatened by 
by airport security and all this insane stuff. And and on top of that, the lack of reimbursements that were coming from Southwest and the the whole way that it was dealt with, it was it was it was one for the books for sure. Um, but the thing that really bothers me and brings into light my asshole of the week is that months prior, um, almost middle of summer, beginning of summer, in fact, um, there was a letter sent to the Department of Transportation. It's Czar. Um, Pete, saying Pete, Pete Buttigieg. Yes, to to Pete there that look uh, the way the airlines are handling cancellations and everything is unacceptable. It seems like the Department of Transportation is inept at doing this, and we really should think about maybe giving this to a different agency like the FTC um, or or another um, interdepartment agency that that is more able to handle this and it was waived off by pete Buttigieg, who then took no action whatsoever he sucks he took no action whatsoever until five days ago when he talked tough about getting people what they want from southwest and it's almost like allowing doing nothing to allow for an opportunity to get in front of a camera because you know it's wintertime, things are going to go go wrong, and you basically created a scenario where the perfect storm occurred, and now you get to have photo ops because of it. And it's just, dude, people's like, you know, this is like people's break. This is their downtime, right? People are trying to be with family and friends, trying to enjoy themselves. We have another whole year ahead of us, and no one knows what that's going to look like. So this is that last moment for people to take a breather and and relax right and a lot of people sullied the end of their 2022 because of this and to just use this as like political pawn and you know some camera time it's just you could have done better and you should have done better and to pretend like now you're going to do something about it and talk tough is just as fake as it gets and what was it that um southwest had to cancel like 8500 flights oh in it span was of three days it was a lot yeah it um i i forget how many flights it was but it was something insane and and look we we all need to know that this time of year this is going to happen. This is this is possible. Airlines should also be aware of it. And sometimes there's just nothing you can do about it. But, you know, they I, – I, Airlines have you by the balls all the time. And they know it too. And, and that was the thing. It was like this is why it should be handled by somebody else and not by the Department of Transportation. Dude, when I, when I got bumped from Comfort Plus um, – going to vegas i called them and i was like i want a refund and they're like oh no you see the problem is we we overbooked so we we can't offer you a refund i'm like so you fucked up and i can't get a refund yeah like, yeah yeah it took it took literally harassing them for like three days straight it was like 200 bucks too i'm like i'm not gonna just like let that slide yeah they finally gave it back to me 
but it like it it took so much fucking time and effort and i'm like literally yelling at them it's designed you know? that way too yeah of course because they want you to give up they they want you to yep. not persist yep 100 percent. i got it back assholes big time uh well good thing that i don't fly southwest often because this shit sucks and frankly flying on southwest is like flying on a fucking subway train (laughs) (laughs) um all righty so my asshole of the week is somebody who is a former prominent professional football player um a little backstory here so the um, the Citrus Bowl was played today on Monday, and this game was one where LSU and Purdue were playing each other, and people were betting on this game. The state of New Jersey had to halt betting on this game, quote, because an individual in question um, and his business rela- relationship with Sportsbook points bet. That individual turned out to be a um, individual associated with Purdue football, which is a violation of state regulations. Gentlemen, here we go. Anybody from Purdue ring any bells for you? Drew Brees. Drew Brees is my asshole of the week. This fucking guy thinks that he can be an interim assistant coach for his team, but also have a contract with a gambling website. And it's not going to be a big deal. And while I can call him fucking stupid, I think this also raises another huge question for the NFL where former players, current players, coaches, they're only seeing betting as legal now in some of these states. And they're thinking that they can participate in it, but they can't. So in the NFL's infinite wisdom to align itself with these gambling you know, these book companies, they fucked over a lot of their people. And I just see this getting more and more complicated as the, as the years go on and the more prominent sports gambling gets. But Drew Brees is my asshole for just not fucking thinking, dude, like not putting it together that, Hey, I have a contract with a gambling company and I'm going to be a coach for a team where people have gambled on this or putting money on it. And it's just stupid. Um, I'd also like to point out that um, that game was today. Purdue lost 63 to (laughs) seven. So whatever the fuck Drew Brees was bringing to the table as the interim assistant coach and quarterbacks coach. He's like the, one of the more notable people to come from Purdue in recent years. Right. I think that plays right into why this is a big cause for concern is because like, some a score like that is so outside the margins that it would take like fringe betting to to nail that right to get the money on that one so you know it becomes a a real big issue here um yeah that's ugly yeah that's ugly. um Bruce Breeze became a brand ambassador for points bet in June 2021. And I get it. It's a big fucking money grab. Like these, these sports books have no, they have more money than they know what to do with. And they're just giving it to people and breeze and all these other guys 
are just seeing it as a way to just make more money. And I get where it's like, let me let me get in with the players and get them to, you know, campaign for my for for sports betting but like i don't even know if it like does it do anything does it attract more people using their names in sports betting well i think it's it's just marketing yeah but like does the marketing actually because all you're doing is making your brand look dirty and look like it's you know like it does have it is it is you know like it is a conspiracy right you know what i mean like if we we're gonna see more of these this is it's not like we're gonna see less of this yeah scenario it's just a very it's a very interesting story and again one that we're going to continue to see calvin ridley was the first one but i think this has happened in other sports as well too where athletes have gambled and then being told like it's it's legal for anybody to do but you is just not computing with them. Um, and ultimately, like, Drew Brees had equity stake in the company itself. So yeah. it wasn't like he was a minor player. And, I mean, I, I kind of think Drew Brees is full of shit most of the time, so he's my asshole. But also Purdue. Like, guys, you went to the Big Ten Championship and you lost by, like, 55 points today. What are you doing? To be fair, they lost to, they lost to Michigan in that Big Ten game, so I think that might just be telling. Yeah, yeah, it's going to become more complicated as it goes, and it's just going to be it's going to be a real fucking issue. So, Calvin Ridley is going is not going to be the only one. No. Alrighty, on to a cheerful note. Who would like to go first? I Picks of the I, week. I guess I can go. I got two actually. Uh, two quick ones. So uh, this place rules a documentary on HBO Max uh, from Andrew Callahan. If you don't know Andrew Callahan, he does Channel Six News on YouTube. He also does uh, All Gas No Breaks. Uh, it's basically his like documenting of the lead up to the 2020 election. Um, he was a guy who would go to. He actually like he party with Alex Jones. Uh, there that is documented in the documentary. He went on Infowars. He got a lot of screen time with Enrique Tario, um, leader of the Proud Boys, and basically highlighting the absurdity on both sides of the left-wing media and the right-wing media and how ultimately they have led us to this point where we have these two sides basically ready to kill each other and become more extreme. So really well done. Very funny. Um, I recommend that. And uh, since uh, Metro Boomin worked out well, um, I think the best album of the year um, was an album called uh, Cheat Codes uh, by Danger Mouse and Black Thought. Uh, 38 minutes, very easy, very like quick, fucking fire. Nice. So um, I definitely recommend that as well. Yeah, I was listening to that Metro Boomin today. It's pretty good, man. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, th- I honestly think this, I think Cheat Codes was probably the best album of the year, though. So I honestly, take, yeah, take I figured since we're going into 2023, might as well. Nice. Gato, what you got? Uh, I got a Netflix series, uh, season two of Mosquito Coast. It's got Justin uh, Theroux. It's actually a book or a book series by his uncle, 
Hmm. Um, which is interesting, but, uh, it's a family that's on the run. Um, in the first season, you don't really understand or know why they're on the run for, and they finally shed light on that in season two. And the story takes a bunch of new turns as they add new characters and, even bring in some ones from the previous season. Um, I believe the last episode of season two drops this upcoming Friday. Um, it should be good. It's uh, it's good so far. And and the family, just, just to clarify, the family is on the run from the U.S. government, from particularly uh, the NSA. <laughs> Um, so there's a lot of interesting stuff there. Um, it's worth a watch. Apple does, Apple does a lot of good series. So if you haven't tuned in and checked out some Apple series, it's worth it. You know, if you, I think Apple is what, like four ninety nine or something a month. Yeah. So, you know, that, it, like in general, I don't think I've seen too many flops on, on their streaming platform. Severance was really awesome. There's another show that I watched the first season of that was somewhat decent with Shantaram. Um, so you know, if you're looking for a new platform to I've stream, heard the, in I've heard the McElhoney. I've heard the Rob McElhoney show is not bad. Uh, 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 uh Mythic Quest. Yeah, I gotta give that a look. Actually, I haven't. Yeah, seen that yet. I love I love Sunny, so I'll watch anything he does. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so Mosquito Coast season two. Full season will be out on Friday. You can watch the first eight season uh, episodes now. Nice. So I haven't watched this yet, but I'm really, really interested in this show. It's a Netflix um, series that has just come out called Kaleidoscope. And um, I think reviews are mixed thus far. Um, I'm on Rotten Tomatoes right now. Critics don't like it. Audience likes it, though, which... I think it's always fascinating to see that. But the thing that I'm most interested about this show is that there are 5,000 different combinations of how you can watch it. So when I say 5,000, you can watch every episode, but the last one in whatever order you want it to be in. That's pretty wild. Yeah. And the show is designed that way. So you can, and the, the show episodes are based off of colors. So it's not like, fucking recruit which was like an acronym of something that was said in the show which i had to look up which was stupid but they're titled like episode one yellow episode two blue and you could start with blue and then go to green and red and go to a bunch of different ones the only one that you have to watch at the end is white so it's an interesting concept i'm willing to give it a go um it might be good it could be good. It could be shit. We don't know. We, Netflix kind of has a wide spectrum of good and bad. So it sounds almost overwhelming, honestly. Like five different, five thousand different combos. I'm like, not gonna lie to you. I'm a little uh, intimidated right now. Yeah, so. well, man, like Jesus. Uh, I I propose a challenge here. I'm interested. I think you guys are interested. Um, how about we watch the show kind of in tandem? We give our color combinations to each other so we know not to watch them all in the same way mm -hmm. and then we report back our ultimate conclusion on it i like that That's so fair. three three different ways 
and and we'll give our feelings and opinions about how it goes. But the folks that are listening too, if you want to share your combinations with us as well, go ahead and do that. Put it in the comments, message us on um, Instagram as well, and let us know what the combination you had is. Again, there are 5,000 different ways to see how this show goes, um, which is really fucking cool and something we don't see a whole lot. And I mean, Giancarlo Esposito is in it. Gus Welcome. Fring. Welcome. So willing to give it a whirl. Rufus Sewell is in it too. Some good names. Yeah. I'm I'm excited actually about this. Let's do this. See how and, this experiment runs. And Ridley Scott is an executive producer too. So I think that there's some some good brains behind this show. You know, it's funny. I remember hearing about a show that was supposed to be like this years ago. And I wonder if it just took that long for them to finish writing it because it is a very complex concept. I would imagine, Gatto, the concept of a show like this would scare a lot of people off. It's intimidating. Yeah. And 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 it if it's not done right, it could really go wrong very fast, right? Yeah. So it probably has taken a while to do it solely because you need to find the right combination of not just producers, but writer like directors, um, financers, and ultimately the actors and actresses that are going to understand how to do it. So we'll see how it goes. I'll report back next week. Again, it could be good. It could be shit. Who knows? But I'm willing to get hurt again by Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. All right. Tommy? Well, that's it for us, folks. Welcome back. Um, and welcome to 2023. We hope it's a wonderful year for you all. And what that means is New Year's resolutions. So well, your one resolution is follow us on social media. On um, Instagram, you can find us at Second Mouse Podcast. You can do that on Twitter as well. Um, we're coming out with a Twitch channel as well. So be in the lookout for that as well. And you can find us at Second Mouse Pod. And again, if you want us to talk about something in particular, message us through the app itself. Share this with your friends. Everyone's going back to the gym with the start of the year. You got to have something to listen to. You can't listen to Ramstein all the time. So if you're in the gym with me, get out of my way. Yeah. Well, no. If you're in the gym with Q, talk to him. <laughs> no, please Just don't. talk to him. Please don't. Speak with him whenever you see him. Nope. Avoid, <laughs> avoid eye contact, please. <laughs> All right, folks. We'll see you next week. Bye. Okay, let's get me a rhythm. Follow me. We are, we are And then he says, and I'm not kidding you, he goes, now clap. Please clap. Just clap for that, you stupid bastard. I need applause to live. Jokes, Mr. Jokey. Joke maker. Ha! Suck it, Jack Sparrow. <laughs> <laughs>